0: Father, we lean on so many um, broken things, things that don't hold us. We lean on rest and entertainment, and we lean on our own anger sometimes, and we lean on uh, the hope of the little paradises that this world has to offer when really the joy of your heaven is what our heart is longing for and made for. And the worst part is, Father, almost all those things would find true life in you. But when we make them our own little idols, when we let our hearts be the idol factory, well, they fail us. So, Father, we ask that you would teach us how to find joy in you and that find your joy in all of the things that really do bring life when they're with you. Because in you is everything. Thank you for letting us be Brookside. Thank you for letting us be a people. Thank you for letting us love you. Thank you for teaching us the way of life. And we ask that you would be causing us to live in it all the more. Thanks. Amen. Special thanks, by the way, to Zach, who rolled in and realized that we would have a piano player and just played. Yeah. Like you do. All right. Thanks, band, so much. We have been slowly traveling through the book of 1 Peter. So the deal is, um, yeah, you can put it up. It looks so cool. I worked hard on this slide. Fake papyrus background. That's how you do it. Okay. All right. uh, Then it looks old and Bible-y, right? (laughs) The truth is I actually originally did white on a black background. And it looked like Star Wars. And I was like, it looks lame. So papyrus it is. Okay. You see it here. It says a royal priesthood, a people set apart. Uh, A people set apart is from the line where he says a holy nation and often we hear that word holy and we think something like um so righteous and good that they're gooder and gooderest than the rest of us but it's not what holy means it literally just means set apart the idea that something could have a specific purpose and although it could be used for other things that would wreck its ability to be used for other purposes and uh you know, we can think of your toothbrush as, as a fun example of something that you keep set apart. It can do a lot of things, it's scrub grout, but as long as you keep it set apart for your mouth, it won't do the other things. But God wants your life to be a thing set apart, to be chosen, to be used for a very specific purpose. And not just wondering, I'm going, what do I want to do with my life? But how do I bring well-being and goodness and, and life into the world? And he's asked you to set yourself apart for that. So royal priesthood, a uh, people set apart. And we've been following along the words of the the Apostle Peter. So, when Christianity got started, and and it was shortly after... um, It was actually probably a few years after the resurrection of Jesus. There was a very brilliant Pharisee. uh, A guy who was uh, um, highly trained. And he he was on his way to becoming a superstar in the Jewish world. and, And he met Jesus and he became a Christian. And because of his brilliance and his encyclopedic understanding of the Old Testament... I mean... He ended up being the guy who wrote most of your New Testament. This would be the apostle Paul. But Peter, Peter's more simple. He's a fisherman. He followed Jesus and he he might not have all of Paul's incredible lofty words and understanding, but he followed Jesus and he implicitly understands. And I love him because Paul's meticulous and careful. Peter, Peter's barge any if that, you know what I mean. And I'm kind of like that. I'm the kind who I might barge in and set my foot in and be like, oh, I did it again. And, and so I like that about Peter. And one of my favorite passages where that happens to Peter, it's, it's from the book of Matthew, where what was happening is, is Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And, and there was a little bit of discussion. It was Peter who said, you're it. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're it. And Jesus says, good job, Peter. And he begins to explain that his idea of being a Messiah, Jesus does, is, is to get crucified. And when Peter hears it, he's offended. Like many of us would be. And oh, go, you know, I, I was really sure that when Messiah came, he would have golden robes. There's actually a king in the Bible who had a silver robe made for himself. So it was when he was out in the sun, it dazzled and it shone bright as the sun. And he wanted to look like a god. And I imagine Peter's thinking, if Herod, Agrippa, or Antipas, or whichever... There was a lot of Herods. Whichever Herod it was, it's a silver robe. I want Jesus to have a golden robe, and he'll shine brighter than Herod. That's maybe Peter's picture. I'm making it up, but that's how I like to think of it. And when he says it, Jesus looks at himself, Now, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You Remember that line? Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like the kings of this world, like the Caesars, and all the broken things that our world has seen. I'm trying to teach you how to do the way of heaven. And he comes up with this line right here. He says, then Jesus told his disciples, not just Peter, but all of them, if anyone wants to come after me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone thinks I have anything to offer about how life works, here's how you're going to, you're going to deny yourself, you're going to take up your cross and follow me. And he gives one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. Every single person who tries to save their life loses it. That's how it works. Maybe you remember your last vacation where you thought, I'm just going to serve me to the hilt and it's going to work. Maybe you remember it being more uh, less, less uh, satisfying than you thought it would be, more a little disappointing. I remember when Shaquille O'Neal finally won a championship and he didn't win any in college at LSU and he hadn't won any over in Orlando and he finally went to the Lakers and he gets together with Kobe. That worked out poorly for him, by the way, if you know history. And he finally wins his first championship and, and the cameras are on him and he's probably still dripping with champagne when he says, it's not as, it's not as good as I thought, I guess I'll just have to go win more. Yeah. It's, it's not filling me up yet whoever tries to save their life loses it but whoever loses their life for his sake finds it so to help you think through this uh, the, I did this uh, set of illustrations last fall but we're going to go through it again because I hope it will help you think through Jesus' way and understand how these works and it's a little illustration that I use called Pharisee Island so we'll go to Pharisee Island uh, that's, rem- that's my remarkable artwork I'm stellar. Okay. So what happens is on, on Pharisee Island, what we begin is we start with ten people, and I have them green, and green's gonna represent people who live like heaven. They are kind, they are good, they are caring, they are sacrificial, they and when ten people are on this island together, they live as happy and as productive as humanly possible. They help one another, they build one another. No no amount of their work is put into self protection because it's not required. So think about the amount of work that goes into putting locks on your doors and bars on your windows and, and, and the work that we do to protect ourselves and that's work that we don't get to do in, in, in actually building things and making them better and none of that happens because on this island everybody's green. Well, one day on the island we're going to put a red person. The red person is going to represent a person who's willing to take for themselves at others' expenses. But this is going to be like that, that show The Mole. How many years since The Mole. I don't know, it's been a while, where you don't know who the bad person is, but we do know that somebody in our midst is willing to take and not give. And so what's going to end up happening in the next slide, that person's going to become big and everyone's small because because they're taking advantage of everybody and because they're willing to pull to themselves or steal or or whatever, others begin to lose what it is that they're uh, putting into the thing. And so it starts to look like evil wins. Many of us actually believe that's true many of us believe that the way life really works is the evil person wins but then we keep a secret uh, ace in our back pocket kind of like the trump card that says yeah but then they're going to have to face God and God's going to punish them for it so I would rather be the little person who doesn't get punished by God we keep that sort of mentality but I think what actually happens is this not green, not red, in the middle, yellow, right? where I start to say look I'm not going to be the sort who takes advantage of you. I'm not going to be the the sort who, who steals and kills. But also, I can't trust to give anymore because it'll be stolen from. So I'll protect me. I'll take care of me. You take care of you. We'll take care of ourselves. And then everyone will be about as fine as... And we actually end up not having anywhere near as good a world as we could have because we don't trust that heaven's way works. So here's how we tend to live on earth. We tend to think of a good person as someone who's willing to live justly if others around them are willing to do so as well. In other words, when I look around and say, look, if you're going to be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. And then we'll have something like a green, to use the color, life. But if I don't trust you, then I'll be self-protective and I'll keep closed. That's what we tend to think of as good people. And what we tend to think of as evil people Is someone who would live unjustly, even if everyone else were to, they're just going to take advantage of the world. They will steal and rob and kill. They will do whatever they want to serve themselves. That's what we tend to think of as evil. And because of that, most of us in our imagination, the best possible world that we can think of is not one that's actually profoundly good. It's just one that happens to be missing evil. Does that make sense? Do you understand the disappointment in that? That we could have built a paradise together. But because we don't trust one another. And by the way, people aren't particularly trustworthy. Because there's red people out there. Sunburned people. I don't know why. Because they're out there. What ends up happening is we protect. And we diminish greatly what it is our world could be. So along comes this guy. Super exciting. Yeah. Right? And he says... This is what good is. If you think of Jesus' teachings, the turn the other cheek, to love, to forgive, the, all the things that Jesus teaches, he teaches a life that feels profoundly beyond what we normally think of as good. When he talks about laying down our life, he talks this way and we look at him and the first thing we think in the next slide is, but Jesus, if I live that life, this is actually what's going to happen to me. If I allow myself to care like that, they're going to take advantage of me. If I allow myself to serve that way, I'm just going to be abused. If I allow, I will just become a victim. I will become uh, someone who gets run over. I can't do that, Jesus. I must stay yellow. I'll protect me, protect you. We'll take care of each other. That's about as good as we can expect, right? And Jesus says, No, do you understand? That those who allow their life to be crucified, but not just allow themselves to be taken advantage of, but do it with the presence of their father in mind, understanding where he is, how he thinks about it, and how his spirit gives life, it is to them that they are given life, even in the midst of evil people. And so we get this one right here, right? Life. It'll come. See? Right? Life. But a funny thing happens. As we begin to live that life, some are attracted to it and want more of it and others look at it and say, that is foolishness, I want nothing of it and they push away. But there's something about life being lived into the world that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples to do and that's where Peter has been teaching us to do, to be the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the set apart people because he wants to teach us how to be God's people. And so summing up what we've learned so far, he's given us motives for living this way. Motive number one we talked about uh, from Peter's work is so that others can respond to God. Yellow people do not give people an opportunity to see God. They only give people an opportunity to understand how to protect themselves as well. Two, to be truly free. Because there are people who hurt you in, their world, in your world. There are people who reject you. There are people who scorn you. There, are all sorts of brokenness and hurt comes at you from all sorts of directions. And if you've been allowing yourself to say, "I can be fine if I can make that stop," you might notice your life has been a very frustrating experience. If you've been living on others, people's thoughts of you or other people's treatment of you, if you've said, "I cannot be well until they change." you're a slave to them that's right you will be a slave to whoever you route your well-being through and the world's not a trustworthy place so what and that's why we try to protect but Jesus says you can do one better You can, because you have life from your father, if he sees who you are and understands where you are in history and time and place and says, my son, my daughter, I am so excited about this. We're going to do it. You can have life from him in the midst of all other mess because you've routed your well-being through him and not through them. All right. So uh, it opens us to God's grace. Because we have trusted him and we feel like, oh man, I need his grace in order to have well-being. We start to trust him as a gift giver. And so instead of being earners who are like, well, did I do good enough, God? Did I get all my good doing in? And did I do not do any bad stuff? Okay, then I can be liked by you. We can never be liked by him. If we believe we can earn God's love or earn God's uh, affection toward us, we're lost. We're hopelessly lost. But if our hearts say, well-being comes just because he loves me, that's it. We, we don't just become the people who are like, oh, sweet, I can do whatever I want because God's forgiven. I mean, that's not what happens. What actually happens is we experience his love for us in a way that causes us to feel free from others' lack of love toward us. And we're able to pour love into a world whether or not it's given it back. Open this to grace. And finally, Peter keeps saying, but by, because, by the way, Jesus did it. Jesus taught us how to do it and this is what he's teaching us and so he'll continually go back to Jesus um, I'm going to skip the next slide I want to jump right into what Peter has to say today Okay, so he's going to start to sum it up because he said hey you're it you're God's appeal to the world you are the royal priesthood the holy nation, the set apart people you're it, you're my appeal to the world and he talked about how we do that with broken governments remember he said to submit to all government governors and then we looked at the emperor in his day Crazy Nero was killing his mom and had a terrible neck beard if you were here. Terrible, criminal neck beard, if you recall. If not, seriously, just look up a picture of Nero and you'll be like, wow, that's the guy that Peter says we should submit to. Yeah. Neckbeard and all. Okay. And then he then goes on to say, by the way, if you have a neckbeard, I'm just giving you a hard time, okay? Alright. Good. Alright. So just check it. And then he says, What about with your job? With your master, whoever, or, even if your boss treats you bad, can you have well-being in the midst of it? Can you live the well-being of Christ in the middle of it? And then he says, "What if? What about at home? We've got to take this thing home." Talk about husbands and wives, and then he's going to pick it up and he's going to start to talk about it here, where he says, "Finally, all of you together, us, have a unity of mind, sympathy, thinking about one another, how, right? Brotherly love, sisterly love as well." But but he uses that. Uh, The the word agape is is the word that, like, it's like God's love. And then there's the word phileo, like Philadelphia City of Brotherly Love. Phileo. He uses this idea of just always having camaraderie and care for one another. That kind of brotherly love. A tender heart toward one another. A humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing. You guys know that the Bible teaches this a lot. It's not just Paul. It's not just Peter. It's not just John. If a New Testament writer is writing it, they are going to see the crux of Christianity happening. Not just when you're able to do good in the presence of others good, but when you're able to deliver well-being and blessing to a world that deserves revenge. So in light of that, remember, Peter's writing to a largely Jewish audience, early church, very Jewish, and he'll just break right into Old Testament stuff, and so he does. Now, real quick, do you ever read the Psalms? One of the ways that you can sort of, with any given Psalm, almost all of them, there's 150 of them, and solid three quarters of them have a simple organization, an introduction, and then something that happens in the middle that develops it, and then a conclusion which starts with whatever the introduction was as sort of fixed or developed, okay? And so he, so the middle becomes sort of the operational part of a psalm. We like to quote the beginning of them. A lot of what you would think of as psalms like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, first verse. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, that's the first verse. But if you know the Lord is my shepherd, one, the operational part is the valley of the shadow of death and he creates a table, or he, sorry, he, he, He serves a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's the operational part of the Psalm. You see how the middle works that way? Well, he grabs the middle, the heart, right out of a psalm, and slaps it into his book, and says this, and it's like four, and then he begins to quote Psalm thirty-four, actually. For whoever desires to love life and to see good days, is that you? Do you desire to love life and see good days? Because this is what the Bible's trying to get you. Let him keep his tongue from evil. You see, we we use evil off our tongue, hoping to make life for ourselves by hurting others, but it you know obviously doesn't work, right? His lips from speaking deceit, we 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 change the truth because we think if we if we tell the truth that, that badness will come to us, but lying doesn't bring us well being. Let him turn away from evil and do good, and let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Righteous does not just mean moral. Righteous means the people who are operating before God in a way, trying to not just live well-being, but bring it to their world as well. Moral is the sort of the yellow, I'm not doing bad things to other people. Righteousness is I'm procuring well-being from God and then disseminating it to my world. Yellow is not righteous. It's just self-protected. It's just not evil. Righteousness comes when the well-being of heaven passes from God through you to your world. Righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, remember, because he had a Hebrew audience, he probably instinctively thinks they know the sort of the bigger part of this psalm, so he doesn't deliver it. So I'm going to deliver it for you. I'm going to give you the end. So in Psalm 34, verse 19, he says, "So now this is the uh, sort of the end of it. Many are the afflictions of the righteous." See, even in the psalm, it's not, hey, if you be righteous, God's going to be on your side. And you're going to be skipping along and whistling in green fields. It's going to be, it's actually, remember the valley of the shadow of death? And that, he's like, the afflictions are going to come. But the Lord delivers them through them all. That there's not an affliction that comes. That he does not have an end in mind to fix and to redeem and to restore and to be remade. That's his plan. It always has been. Okay? Okay. So with that, back into Peter. He says, now, who's going to harm you if if you're zealous for doing good? The fact is, if you be the goodness of heaven, your world's generally going to like you. It might take advantage of you some, but it's generally going to like you. But sometimes they will push back. Why are you being that way? That's so stupid. Or or even just sort of like, ew, that guy thinks he's so good. Or that woman, she thinks she's... Just be well-being to people. Now I will tell you, the world tends to dislike, quote, moral people far more than it dislikes people who give life. People like people who give life, generally speaking. So he's like, yeah, but, but even if it happens that you would suffer for righteousness sake, God's got you. He's got you have no fear of them don't be troubled but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy and then he's going to say this very famous line and for most of my life this is where people began to quote it they would say always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason or the hope that's in you yet do it with gentleness and respect and, and we'll pick up with the rest of it in the next slide I always heard this and thought no 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 don't, don't get ahead okay now he's going to do it you're going to do it to go back alright so here's what's happening I always heard this and imagined that there was like a magic scenario, and I've joked about this before, where I would be sitting at Flatlands Coffee enjoying my fine Americano, iced Americano right now, and uh, both because it's not particularly uh, expensive and it's just really good coffee. And and I'm going to be there and maybe I'm going to like have my Bible open because that's the signal. And then I'm going to be reading it and I'll be reading from Jeremiah because it shows I'm hardcore Christian who reads the Old Testament. And then someone's going to come up and say, I need an account. For your hope that you have. (laughs) Yeah, I'm waiting. Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Someone comes up to me and says, Hey, can you account for your hope? But notice what Peter's actually said here. He said, when you have suffered for righteousness' sake, when you have been the well-being of heaven in the face of a world that's broken, when your boss treated you poorly and you gave well-being back, when you were, when your family said, well, well, the things that families do, why do we hurt each other? And you brought life anyway. When those things happen, that's when the world's going to go, what the heck is with you? How do you get that? How do you do that? The world's not going to ask for an account if they haven't seen you deliver life in the face of death. That is the thing that God says is actually going to cause the world to go, what the heck is that? How do you do that? How do you do that? So now we can slip ahead. Having, but doing it with a good conscience. This brings to mind a friend, he's told this uh, out loud in, in groups like this, so, but it's, he's a guy who's spoken at Brookside, he's, he's a, a well-known Christian around here, but when he was a young man, he was still like very into his faith, but he didn't understand God very well, and so he was sleeping around a lot, and he said, quite a few times with people who were married, it's like he was very ashamed of what he had done, he's like, but the strangest and most shameful thing I did is, we would, we would have done the deed, and then after that I'd be telling her about God and how she needed to repent, right, Peter's like, if you have been a jerk to your world? If you have been the kind that your world has has gotten life taken from, if you have responded poorly to your world, how is it that your account is going to mean anything to them? But that's just doing evil. The good conscience comes not when we are yellow, when we self-protected and just not done bad. So often Christianity is focused on not doing bad. Which, by the way, doing bad, it hurts people. It's horrible. It's a terrible way to hurt our world. And yet, it's not righteousness until the green life comes up out of us and through us. Where we are giving life to it. That is the good conscience that's needed. And even if you're slandered. Because the Christians were. And they are. And oftentimes we're slandered because we deserved it. We've done a lot of things to make our world hate us. That were because we took life from it instead of giving it. But even if we perfected Christianity let's be really honest our world still would just be like what's with those people and that's okay but as we suffer that and live in the midst of it and still being that's actually how Christianity spread like wildfire through the Roman world because the Roman world had never seen the sort of people who you could kill them for their faith and then that would make more of them they had never seen the sort who when you when you cursed them they brought blessing they hadn't experienced that That's why he's like, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be God's will, than for doing evil. That's kind of obvious. I told you Paul's super sophisticated. Peter sometimes will state the obvious. It really is better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing evil. Okay. Now this next passage. We need to cover it, because it actually has an exciting message, but it's a little confusing, so let's dive in. But just be ready. It might get weird in here for a second. Ready? Ready? For Christ also, remember, every time Peter thinks he's going to go, what did Jesus do? You know, what would Jesus do? It's not what kind of niceness. It's what would Jesus suffer? If you get me a WWJS bracelet, I'm wearing it. What would Jesus suffer, right? Because Jesus also suffered for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, right? Right? We're super excited as Christians. We're so thankful because we know we could never have paid for our sin. We know we could have never brought righteousness. We know that we were lost in our, in our brokenness. And that his cross saved us. And we're so thankful that somebody suffered to bring us well-being. And Jesus says, yes, yes, that's how we fix the world. Now join me in doing it. Oh, I like Jesus on the cross way more than me, if you know what I mean. And But he's like, let's see what happened. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. In in which, and so in the spirit, we're going to talk about this. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Okay, okay. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience awaited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In which a few, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Jesus went and preached to people in, in, who, who rebelled against Noah. What's going on here? Some actually have taken this to believe some sort of like Jesus went into hell and preached to some lost people. But apparently only the people in Noah's day, which is the telltale sign, that can't be what this means. Okay. All the rest of those people, too bad for them. Noah's day, second chance now. Uh, earlier verse in Peter from the first day. When he was talking about how the Old Testament came, he wrote, he wrote this. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, so he's thinking all about the Old Testament, all those prophets who wrote, about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or what time the, spi- the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he preached, when, sorry, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ. So each of these prophets, because the spirit of Christ was in them, was talking about what God had. The Holy Spirit is called by Peter the Spirit of Christ. So Jesus' message through the power of the Holy Spirit was coming to these prophets. And they, because they had the mind of Christ, they're delivering. You know, we have Jesus' words in the Gospels, but the, according to Peter, so are the prophets. If you want to expand Jesus' message, try Micah or Nahum. I can just random prophet at you for a moment because there's names like Zephaniah and Haggai. Okay, but... <laughs> I, I don't have time for this. All right. <laughs> Funny story. Haha, ha. It was good. All right. In my whole mind. All right. Here's what happens. He says just the same way that the, Jesus was not, didn't magically go preach to these people. He was preaching to them through Noah. So when we go to that, back to that passage. So you can go next to the slide here. When, when in the days of Noah, what was happening is Jesus was making his appeal through Noah. Saying, get in the ark so you can be saved. This is your chance. This is God saying, come on, leave that and join this. And, and, and a few did. And he's saying, in the same way, your life is saved, and, and he's going to go on. So he's going to use baptism here for a moment. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you as not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal of God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's going to say that by placing your faith in Jesus and baptism is going to, he's like, baptism becomes like an ark, so to speak. It's like the same picture, in other words, the way we are saved in Jesus is the profound picture that even the ark was pointing to. The ark was a crude picture of what Jesus really is. And in the same way, Noah's saying, get in this ark because this will save you. He's saying, we have the opportunity by by suffering and by living well to our world and by explaining, we're inviting them. What Peter's saying is, you could be famous like Noah When heaven's story's told, you have the opportunity to be told in the same breath and the same sentence as Noah, as the opportunity to help people get in the only ark that could ever really save, which is Jesus. That's what's being offered to you. You are being offered the greatness of eternity in this passage. That's why I went through it. Because he's like, just like Noah, be like him. Live well and righteous in a world that... Persecuted him for it and yet he still offered the opportunity so talking about baptism I'm going to skip that slide just for time's sake uh, so we're going to go ahead two slides we're going to talk a little about baptism but for time's sake he finishes by saying baptism which corresponded to this now saves you not as removal of dirt from the body right? through, but we're saved through Jesus the resurrection he's gone into heaven at the right hand of God with his angels and authorities so here's the deal Peter asked you to be the royal priest of the holy nation, he asked you to be his, his emissaries. Uh, Paul uses the word ambassadors. God's appeal—the way the priests, the way the priests would be like the representative of God's you know, the holy of holies behind you—to the, the people who came. God is saying to you, as a priesthood, that you are His representatives to the world. And you don't do that just by not sinning and by not doing the bad things but by actually delivering well-being and love and goodness and joy even in the midst of the brokenness that comes. And not just to your exterior world but especially to your home, to your family. And the list was he began with the emperor because you've got an election coming. A lot of people are going to display an extraordinary amount of not well-being concerning this next election. And they're going to say things like, the biggest election of our lifetime, everything (laughs) rides on it. And then like, they've been saying that about every election of my whole entire life. How do they keep getting bigger? Really? I mean, really? Has God somehow like almost out of control? And if you don't vote right, it's over. Are we going to be okay? And then he says, not just the emperors, but at your job, at work. And I know some of your jobs are really hard. I get to work for you guys. I have the best job here and I love it. But some of your jobs you just grind through and people mistreat you there and they push back and they don't understand who you are. And and in the midst of that can you bring life and well-being? And then when you go home, I know that not all your marriages work the way you dreamed. By the way, I'd love to help you with that. I truly would. But not even just them, but your kids and all the things. And and when I come home, I want life and I wanna, you know, those who save their own life lose it. But I'm like, surely this is the place I can kick back and relax and, and make life work for me. And and how do you be life givers at home? And then in the church and in, and in this group, that's what he's saying. And so the big idea has been this. You're like Noah. You're inviting this broken world to the king and his kingdom by having real life in every situation. Hard, easy to say, but the, the key thing is because you've learned how to be alive in the face of every suffering. In the midst of every governing power, at work, at home, at church, everywhere. This is the invitation. So next week, we, we have uh, just two more chapters of, of Peter to cover. Next week, he's gonna talk about what keeps you from it. Man, please come up, by the way. He's gonna talk about what keeps you from it. But for today, I need you to understand the picture. The church is not... The people who gather to sing songs and learn how to not sin. The the church is the people who gather together to worship our God and learn how to be alive in him so that we can deliver life to our world wherever, in whatever place, in whatever way. Thanks.
1: Father, I cannot believe that I get to live the kingdom life alongside of these men and women and these families and these children. Father, under the direction of your Holy Spirit and the power of Christ here in this community and beyond. Father, I pray this day that you would infuse our hearts with hope, that you would give us the courage to drop the walls that we have built around our lives, that we would let others see, that we would let others know, that we, as a community, would be transparent and vulnerable and real with one another, with all of our doubts and fears and pain and suffering, as we just sang about. And Father, that you would do a mighty work in and through us here at Brookside. Thanks for all of the reminders this morning and the and the encouragement and the hope. And I pray that we would leave this place, that we would go out from Olds Camp Hall with a renewed perspective and a vision that is from you to do more than not just not sin, but to be involved in your kingdom's work, in our families, at work, in our neighborhoods, our networks, wherever you've placed us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today and how precious it's been. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, band. Thank you for being here today. Just a few quick announcements and items of interest, first of which, uh, just mark your calendars now. We will not be having a Sunday morning service on August 25th. But we'll be having a a fall kickoff in the evening on Sunday, August 25th. We'll invite all of the Bowling Green State community and others to join us. Wanted to make note of that today. Also wanted to uh, alert you to the fact that Amy Seifert is leading a five-week study on the book of Colossians beginning this next week, and there are still two spots available. So if you're interested in having one of those two spots, grab her here at church, have a conversation with her, a messenger, she'd love to have that conversation with you. And as you leave today to pick up your children, for those of you who are moms and dads and caregivers, kindergarten through fifth grade can be picked up in the wings of the lobbies on the second floor,
0: as opposed to their classrooms. Have a fantastic week.